Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and as always, I am joined by London. From the shadows, we have Shadow Adam. Will he appear? I don't know, but we know he's in the shadows. History of the Batman with London is produced and engineered by Mason Booker. London, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, I'm always good (laughs) on these Batman recordings that we do together. They're very fun. (laughs) I learn something new every time because as much as I think I know, you know 10 times more. Actually, I think a hundred times. <laughs> Mason and I were just talking about you when you weren't in our oh, presence. The good things? All good. <laughs> it was about this knowledge that you have and how you could theoretically stream on by yourself probably for an hour at least on a topic. It's amazing. Yeah, I hope it's it doesn't sound like rambling. No, no. <laughs> that's all. No, this was all meant to be a compliment. Okay, <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes. So this week we are not going to do the review of Batman Superman. No, I wanted to, I want to make sure I talk about everything I do want to talk about. So I'm pre- preparing for that, and I want you to see it because yes. you haven't seen I it haven't yet. I haven't seen it. I'm actually going to see it <laughs> Thursday. Okay. And I did want to do a spoiler review. Yeah. And I would like people, hopefully, um, to give them about like a month's time. Right. Just so they'd be able to see it so everyone can listen to the show since right. it will be spoilers. Right. So. And if you're a DC fan, you are hoping that people are continually going to see the movie. Right. Exactly. And so <laughs> if there is a potential person here who... Yes is listening and decides, ah, they just told me everything. Right. They won't want to see it. You're ruining the revenue. Exactly. Which means there might not, you know, you want to increase the chances that there's more Batman related films. I'm sure. Yes. Actually, uh, today there was an announcement from the Warner Brothers CEO at uh, CinemaCon in Vegas that they are going to go ahead with a Batman standalone film and Ben Affleck will be Batman mm. and he'll probably be writing and directing it as well. Okay. So everyone's excited about that. Well, people who enjoyed Ben Affleck's Batman, I suppose. Which is you. Yes, I did. Okay. So that's great. So well. it will probably be um, October of 2018 or November 2019. Wow. So we have a few years. We have a few years. <laughs> a few more podcasts to cover material on before that actually happens. So we have plenty of time to ready ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, so before we start the show, and before we started the show, Mm -hmm. you had a nice friend come by. Yes. Matt Truex. Yes, Matt Truex, who is who was very kind enough to contribute a couple of pieces of original art for my History of the Batman art show, which will be from May 7th to May 28th, and it'll be at the Hive Gallery in downtown Los Angeles. And, yeah, he loves the podcast, which is awesome that he listens, and he wanted to contribute to the show. So I wanted to thank him for that and the 
pieces are amazing. It's original panels and art from amazing creators. And they're framed. They look so nice. (laughs) So Matt, thanks for that. And also, uh, if you like Superman, Matt has a podcast that he does called Lois and Clarked, the new podcasts of Superman. And so you can find that on iTunes and reach out to Matt on Twitter at Lois and Clarked. That's C-L-A-R-K-D. I just followed him. So he's got another follower. There you go. (laughs) All right. So now that we're not going to do Batman versus Superman, sorry for all those out there who wanted that. But but, did you see the new Suicide Squad trailer? Yes, I did. What did you think? (laughs) I'm telling you, it looks like it could be good. Mm -hmm. I mean... Okay, clearly they have seen Deadpool (laughs) and have taken a little bit of, you know, a few cues from Deadpool and said, look, we got to make this funny. We got to make it violent. (laughs) And, mm -hmm. you know, and we got to make it visually appealing. Right. And it was rumored that Suicide Squad were going into a few reshoots because Mm. I'm sure as many... People know that a lot of the critics for Batman vs. Superman, they said that the film was not fun. It wasn't funny. And that was one of the drawbacks from liking the movie. So they said that, uh, well, it's rumored. I'm not sure if they're going to do it. But they said that in the first trailer for Suicide Squad, all of the quote unquote funny moments were just in that trailer. It wasn't in the rest of the film. So they want to make it more fun i suppose Mm. but from the second trailer it's still the same fun kind of exciting and all i don't i don't understand i don't know if they really need to do reshoots but once again we don't know all the rest of the film right and i don't know if warner brothers and the people creating the movie are actually doing that but uh david Ayer, who's the director he did tweet I think on Sunday when the new trailer came out that the whole reshoot thing, they're not doing it. So I think that that uh, rumor is kind of debunked by mm. that, which I would understand. Right. What I really liked about Suicide Squad, there was like a few frames where Batman. Now, I saw him so jumping off awesome. a building or something, right? Yeah. And he and it's like in the scenes deal with Harley Quinn. So. That's kind of interesting. That dynamic, I'm sure, between Joker and Harley and Batman is some weird triangle, but I'm excited to see that. (laughs) Well, I think with the bad guys, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you can actually have a little bit more freedom to do what you want to as a director or writer, whereas with Superman or Batman or a lot of the big name characters... There's a lot more writing on it. You have to be right. more sensitive or or you just, you know, you're going to piss people off. Mm-hmm. But with a, you know, with sh- who is, um, who's Will Smith's character? Deadshot. Deadshot. I was going to say sure shot. Deadshot. <laughs> I mean, no offense to Deadshot, but I mean, I don't even know him. Right. Uh, you can do whatever you want with him and make him an appealing character. Right. And I think that's what's great about Suicide Squad because most if not all the task force x we we haven't seen them on the big screen only joker or a version of him we have and he's not even in the the squad technically so it's unless you've read the comics you're introducing all these characters to a whole new audience who have never heard of them so it's 
it is a little kind of, I guess, pending pressure. But then, like you said, you have a lot of creative freedom to really make these characters and mold them, or at least the director how he wants and the actors. And it should be, I think that'll be a great intro, or I'm excited yeah. for it because I really do want to see how they'll present these characters for the first time for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I will say that that is a DC movie that I am you know, looking forward to watching. Yeah. So I'm excited for that one. Yeah, and it's coming out soon. It's August 5th of this right. year. So it's a there we go. Pretty cool. All right, so let's get to the topic for tonight. Okay. Because we got a lot to pack in. Here. I know. <laughs> but there's a celebration that we're going to yes. cover. Yes. Um, there's a lot of, there are a few other 50th anniversaries being celebrated this year within the DC Comics world, but this week DC is celebrating the character Poison Ivy because she debuted in 1966. And so with the current short series for Poison Ivy happening and just the fact that she is a is an amazing character, we haven't really given her much focus, I thought this episode we would do a brief history of Poison Ivy and try to highlight 10 must read must know um sh um sorry uh, stories. stories yes there's the word <laughs> like <laughs> some of them are episodes some of them are film so it's all different throughout all media and it's just going through her 50 years okay so real quick for those not knowledgeable of poison ivy mm -hmm. who is she well, it depends on the, I guess, the story, but in general, she is a brilliant botanist and she, whether it's through some type of accident in the lab or someone has tried to hurt her or it's something in some way, she gains these powers. She gains an immunity to toxins. Sometimes she can control plants. Other times she's has just poison now in her genes and she becomes a botanist to an eco-terrorist in a sense and she is very protective of mother nature and the world around us and she goes out to harm those who have harmed the environment themselves and she deems herself poison ivy and she is a very she's a female villainous and very seductive character and Batman has kind of been seduced by her and always is tangled up with her. And some stories, which we'll talk about in the episode, um, Poison Ivy becomes infatuated with Batman. And sometimes that's the reason why she dons the persona of Poison Ivy. So she's not just a poisonous character, but there are some complexities towards her. She deals with right and wrong and from her sane side of being a brilliant scientist to kind of the insanity of becoming this villain and so we'll highlight major stories that are in comics on tv and in movies that showcase just her evolution as a batman rogue and a dc comics character over the last 50 years and just for visual purposes she is sometimes depicted with green skin yes and other times depicted with 
white skin. Right. Um, the green skin is relatively in a, a modern feature that was in the late 90s, I believe, that first appeared during um, the No Man's Land saga, which we'll talk about a little bit in, in the episode. Um, but before that, for the next 30 years, she she didn't have the green tint. She wore leaves for her outfit. It was either from like a kind of one piece bathing suit type thing to like a top and some type of bottom. And then sometimes she would just have leaves kind of covering the appropriate places and that's it. So her, her, even her look or her outfit has kind of evolved and a little bit more sexually, I suppose. And yes, she usually has red hair, whether it's kind of in a bob or it's long. Um, but yes, yeah, so usually she's a redhead and she has her green, like leaves, ivy I like costume. <laughs> so yes, but she's always visually appealing. So usually, especially if you read Batman comics or DC comics, you can't really miss her. <laughs> and will you tell, will one of the stories out of the 10 be how she got her green skin? Yes. Okay. All right, so then let's break it down. And are these in any particular order? Um, of course, we're going in chronological order. So we'll start with the earliest, her debut, episode two, the story that she's in right now. And right. uh, So, yep, yeah, but just going along the line. Let's go number one. Since, <laughs> yep. Or number ten. Yeah, number one, we'll call it. Number sure. one. <laughs> well, number one is her debut, and she was created by Robert Kaniger, and she was made because... DC, at least for Batman's mythos, they wanted to create a female supervillainess that was purely a villain because they had other popular female characters such as Catwoman who dealt with Batman, but she kind of was depicted as an anti-hero. Sometimes she would go against Batman, then other times she would flirt with him and try to get him to work with her, be on their team or run away together. So they, and then especially in this year of 1966 later on we would have Barbara Gordon's Batgirl who would be a hero and she would especially in during the Batman 66 series with Yvonne Craig so they wanted a female villain that would stand toe-to-toe with other rogues um, like Penguin and Joker when you did see him and different characters like that so she debuted in June of 1966 in Batman 181, and that was written by Kaniger, and it was art by Carmen Infantino and Murphy Anderson and Sheldon Moldoff. And, of course, those three were the main artists for Batman comics at the time, especially Infantino and Anderson. They were kind of the dynamic duo of sorts for the Batman and Detective Comics books. And the story was Beware of Poison Ivy. And of course, since we're in 66 and the pop art era is major and current in the story, we're in a Gotham City pop art show and they have portraits of three of the major female villains at the time, which were Dragonfly and Tiger Moth and Silk and Spider, which I know now many people have probably never heard of them or they're not relevant at the moment, but there are tons of awesome but obscure villains and i think i'll probably want to do a show about that have a show just talking about obscure villains because some of them are amazing but you only see them like once or twice but anyway so there were portraits in the pop art show 
And of course, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson were there as guests. And then they see Poison Ivy and she crashes the party and she wants to prove that she is a better villain than these three who are being celebrated in this art as the three great female villains. And so Bruce, of course, changes to Batman and he chases her down and tries to catch her. But even in the first meeting between the two, Batman becomes almost smitten with Poison Ivy because she's, of course, beautiful and she seduces him and she gets away, which in other stories like with Catwoman, that's usually the case. Batman lets Catwoman go because because of the way that Catwoman looks. And at the time, I suppose it's more of like a stereotype. The female villains are supposed to be, you know, seductive. Um, And I think that's why when Batgirl was created, she broke the mold for being beautiful and smart and the good guy and men respected her. But um, once Poison Ivy got away, then she went to fight the other three, the Tiger Moth and Silk and Spider and um, and she fought them and she was victorious. But then Batman and Robin had to go and fight her and they had to apprehend her. Um, but before Batman got her, she kisses him and Batman gets into like this almost trance because her lips were lined with like chloroform. <laughs> so it almost knocks, knocks Batman out, but he shakes it off and everything's fine. And then they arrest her. So, at least in this first time we see Poison Ivy, she doesn't illustrate the, I suppose, the powers that she does in these in she the comics. She you know? did not illustrate them. No, I mean she they just sh- put the chloroform. Yeah, on her lips. yeah. So it wasn't like her lips were made of chloroform, um, but it was more just kind of the on the surface kind of powers or abilities. Um, but she. After this debut in June of 66, she appeared in other um, stories throughout the, the rest of the decade. Um, and then, and so we're going to our next story, I guess, number two. Two, right. Um, she appears in a Jerry Conway story, and it's called A Kiss of Death Three Times. And it's in World's Finest, and it's 251. It was July of 1978. And this story actually features Wonder Woman, which I love because I love Wonder Woman. So seeing both of these characters in a story is is pretty awesome to me. Um, But as Diana Prince, and she, she goes to the United Nations, and she discovers that there are three ambassadors, and they have died from this poisonous flowers and so of course she turns into the guise of wonder woman and she tracks down her leads to this like botanical garden and she finds uh, poison ivy there and they have their first altercation and fight and ivy has kind of her sidekick or a mascot of sorts and he's a huge giant tree kind of and he's called redwood mm-hmm. and so That's with a character Yes, but he's only in these like two comics. Right. <laughs> but but that's what I'm saying. Some of these characters you never see them uh, again, but they're kind of awesome. I know. You, I guess it could be called <laughs> Redwood. <laughs> and he's like a giant tree, yeah. Yeah, that would have been like in the 66 show. 
they would have brought an axe. Yes. And tried to, <laughs> right? That would have been that kind of corny <laughs> character that would have been dealt with in that way. And that's another thing. Poison Ivy was not a rogue in the Succession show. Really? Yeah. She's one of the few popular, I guess, Batman characters today or even then that wasn't in the show. Even but, though the show started in January of 66 and she debuted only a few months later. Wow. So, um, but I know in a lot of the Batman 66, uh, the current comics, um, they did place Poison Ivy in a story. And so they got to draw her kind of in that pop art fashion, which is great. But yeah, I would have loved to see what they would have done with Poison Ivy and who they would have casted for her. (laughs) But um, so uh, Wonder Woman discovers that Poison Ivy wants to make this kind of mind control drug using these um, kind of unique, hard to find roots and herbs. Um, And she her goal is to make Batman actually fall in love with her because as kind of the story shows that one of the reasons why she became Poison Ivy was to get Batman's attention. Um, and you see that again in other stories. But um, but yes, so she's kind of using this mind control, drug, mind control drug to control Batman and then later on other people. Um, but the story continues in the next issue, World's Finest 252, and it's called A Poison of the Heart. And... This story is the first time we get actually a background on her origin story. Because when we first saw her in the Batman story 181, we, we didn't know anything about her. We didn't know her name, anything origin story. And here she is seen as Lillian Rose. That's before the whole Pamela Isley name, which is more popular now. Um, she was a botany student and she falls in love with her professor who works in with ancient Egyptian herbs and he is trying to use these herbs to create this kind of potion and poisonous plants and things like that. And so she steals them from him because she doesn't want him to create this kind of horrible thing. And then he tries to kill her because she steals these really ancient herbs, I suppose. But of course, in the struggle, she instead is caught up in the poisonous plants and herbs and then she gains this immunity to not only these plants but also other substances and toxins and then she becomes poison ivy and to get her revenge on her professor she transforms him into redwood so his identity is her college professor and so once Wonder Woman learns this and she confronts Poison Ivy for the last time, even though Poison Ivy gets the upper hand and she's able to tie Wonder Woman up with her own lasso. When Wonder Woman reveals that she knows that Redwood is her professor, it kind of throws everything off and then Redwood kind of turns on Ivy and then she kind of falls to like her apparent death over like a waterfall because we're in like the forest or whatever (laughs) but um it's it's the first time we know any type of background and it's the same that we'll kind of see in other stories she is a student in botany and she even has some type of romantic relationship or some type of altercation of, of some sort with her professor that she learns all of 
the botany from and that's a reoccurring theme and then in some type of struggle her she becomes immune to the plants and toxins and then sometimes she'll gain the ability to talk to plants or control them but it's the same kind of format it just will develop more as the story goes on yeah she now is immune to rashes, apparently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, geez. you know, every time I got poison oak one time. Oh. Have you ever had poison ivy no. or poison oak? No, I haven't, luckily. <laughs> it is probably the worst experience that one could have when oh, it no. comes to <laughs> feeling so uncomfortable and not being able to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So one time, real quick, we just... uh me and my friend, we had just moved to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and we said, let's hike up to the Hollywood sign. But we wanted to do it in the no research kind of way on which path to actually take. So oh, we okay. just drove up to, <laughs> I think we went up Cahuenga, and then, you know, I forgot what street we went. And we just, like, went behind some apartment complex, and we're like, okay, we'll just go up this way and try to find our way. Yeah. And we ended up <laughs> through some poison oak. And so no. then what happened is, is uh, it got all over our, you know, your, your hands, your body. And then, you know, we were out for a while. We didn't realize that we had poison oak. And I also went to the bathroom in the woods. Oh. You know, I went, <laughs> this is crazy poison ivies. And so I had poison oak rash everywhere. Ah. It was the worst. That sounds uncomfortable yeah. in so many ways. Oh my! I would sit in a <laughs> bathtub with this—I don't know what lotion, some type mixture. of ointment. Yeah, you do, and I would just sit there and I would try to just have an out-of-body experience because <laughs> I was so uncomfortable. So every time I think or see or hear about Poison Ivy, the character, you think of. Oh, I, th- <laughs> I think she is probably so powerful and just irritating. I mean, that's the word I get that mm-hmm. comes to me. And so, yeah, I mean, I as as seductive as she is, like every time you're saying that she seduces Batman, I'm thinking, man, that poor guy walks away with a rash <laughs> in areas that people do not want rashes. So that's hilarious yeah sorry about that (laughs) it's okay there you go that's my story poison ivy she's a villain i want to stay away from her (laughs) well and it's funny that you mentioned that because it's not going to be one of our main stories but like in batman the long halloween she has her own chapter and she put she like has a mind controlled over batman and he literally has like vines and leaves all over him Mm. and stuff so i can only imagine that would be irritating in itself (laughs) it is so i get it and i'm sure she just totally tortures her victims i'm 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 certain (laughs) no anyway anyway the whole whole time you've been talking about her i've been just (laughs) <laughs> reliving that moment of being so uncomfortable and it lasted for like over you know over a week it was just awful but still uh, yeah that sounds bad i haven't had it i haven't had any of that or even like chicken pox or anything i've so i'm i don't even i can't even sympathize Good for you. Good for you. let's keep it that um, way <laughs> i hope so yeah. okay uh, so we just talked about Poison Ivy's encounter with Wonder Woman. Yep. And so we go, and now we're in the 1980s. It's so our next now story. number three. Yep, number three. And 
Ivy appeared in several stories in the 80s. And then, of course, Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, which was 1985. And she appeared in those issues as well. And then that jump started post-crisis or the reboot of the DC Universe, as we've discussed before. And so a new origin story had to be done, which Mm. is with all the characters, really. No character that survived the crisis went without a retelling or at least a brand new origin. And so, um, greatly enough, um, Neil Gaiman was the one who wrote her origin, and it was in uh, Secret Origins, Volume 2, Number 36. And that was in January of 1989, so the end of the decade. And Mark Buckingham was the uh, principal illustrator. And it's similar to the origin that we just talked about. Um, but in this now, her name's Pamela Isley. It's not Lillian Rose. But we'll see in other stories that sometimes her middle name is Lillian or her middle name is Rose. So they still keep the original name. But Pamela Isley, she grew up as a wealthy socialite of Gotham. So it doesn't say in the story, but potentially she could have known Bruce Wayne in another setting. Um, But she was not kind of a people person. She was very isolated. Um, Her family kind of didn't pay attention to her. They were very distant. So she was kind of a loner of sorts. Um, But then while she was very isolated she took up the hobby of plants and plant life and studying those and so of course she attended college and she was a student of botany again and she studied under dr james woodrow which for those who maybe are familiar with that name we'll see that in the batman and robin movie where uma thurman is poison ivy and Mm. that's the doctor in that film so that comes from or at least the part of that story comes from this story um and what he would do was use her as a guinea pig for his own experiments and then one thing led to another and the results of one of them gave her immunity over plants and resistance to toxins and she had these powers that was her experiment that did that or well, the, his, or, experiment. his experiment. Yes. See, all I think about is like in real life, you just get a rash. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows? I mean, before she got the powers, who I don't even know what she went through. She right. could have, especially dealing with plants, and she's the guinea pig. So it's like, who knows oh. what was going in well, there, she got right? lucky. She got powers. She got powers. <laughs> of course. Um, and so once she gained this immunity, and then when she was in her apartment she would watch the news and she would hear about this new vigilante in gotham batman and then she became infatuated with batman and she decided to get his attention i suppose she wanted to create the persona of poison ivy since she has these powers and to get his attention and be able to seduce him and make him fall in love with her. But as the usual stories go, Batman sees her and she, and he knows that she's a bad guy and she wants to use her powers for bad causes. And he is not swayed by her seductions. I mean, I'm sure at first, which is the usual case, she comes on to him and he's a little, you know, excited, I suppose. But he knows, like, no, justice comes first. <laughs> right. So Priorities. Priorities, exactly. So we see that origin, which, like I said, will be a reoccurring theme or at least layout for future stories. 
Um, but in the 80s, she not only had her own stories dealing with Batman and Detective Comics and the Batman publication, but she also was briefly a part of the Suicide Squad, the first um, wow. the first modern incarnation with Amanda Waller and, and John Ostringer's um, interpretation. Um, right now, or at least in New 52 for Suicide Squad, briefly, um, she was part of Suicide Squad as well, but she started in the late 80s and early 90s. So how many, or how many issues was she in? Um, about Squad? 15 issues. Really? Um, it would be cool if they gave a shout out to her in the movie. I know. I was thinking like about if they're that. looking through various characters mm-hmm. or that they would want to put on the squad, and right. then they go over her and right. ah, no, we're not going to use her. Yeah, that would be an awesome Easter egg. Yeah. It would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she first appeared in uh, Suicide Squad number 33, and that was, I think, September of 1989. And she went throughout uh, until, I think, about, yeah, um, until like issue, or at least the last issue would be uh, issue 66, which was the end of, of June of 1992. But the arc, um, The Coils of the LOA, which is a, arc it's a three issues a suicide squad 37 to 39 um she is working with deadshot and raven r-i-v-a-n not raven um and they have to go on this lethal mission to stop this army made of zombies that are created by this group called the loa um so it's it's interesting, at least now since Suicide Squad is becoming so popular yeah. with the film and then even the current comics, there are different characters who have been a part of this task force. I mean, there there are so many um, rotating groups that have been Task Force X. But like you said, I would love to see Poison Ivy, especially oh, yeah. in this cinematic universe, even, I mean, just in general, but it would be really cool to see her in Suicide Squad. At least get a shout out. Yeah, definitely. That would that would be really sweet. Um, so, yes, she was in Suicide Squad for about 15, 16 issues until the early 90s, which jumps us into our next story. And it is the first time she is in Batman the Animated Series, which we talked tons about in the last episode, yes. which was fun. <laughs> and... And this is the first time you see Poison Ivy in any other media besides comics. She wasn't in any of the early, like, 60s, 70s animated shows or in any films yet. Um, But her popularity in the comics, from being in Batman comics to Suicide Squad, just in general, they put her in the animated series. And her first episode was a Paul Dini and Michael Reeves story. It's Pretty Poison. And it first aired on September 14th, 1992. And we're introduced to Pamela Lillian Isley. So we get both the Neil Gaiman uh, origin Pamela Isley and then Lillian Rose. And she is the girlfriend to uh, District Attorney Harvey Dent. And she has a PhD in botany. So, of course, she is stunning on the show. And she has the same features of the beautiful red hair and everything and her favorite color is like green and um and she's a botanist and then she learns that um harvey is involved in like this uh excavation of 
uh, rare of, of growing like red plants, like wildflowers. And she thinks that's awful because he's hurting the environment. And so she has this rose that was from all of these wildflowers that has a deadly poison. And she gives it to him almost and through a kiss. So she creates from these flowers a kind of poisonous substance, kind of like the layers of the chloroform base in her debut. And she poisons Harvey and he becomes so sick that he ends up in the hospital. And so... Of course, Harvey Dent's friend is Bruce Wayne, which you see even in other episodes like the Two-Face Part 1 and 2. And so he investigates and Bruce learns that the the poisonous substance came from Pamela Isley, who has transformed or decides to become Poison Ivy with her goal being to attack all of the either wealthy or high profile people of Gotham who are causing harm to the environment. So she turns her small, um, you know, annoyance with Harvey excavating this, this, this rare land to, I'm just going to do this with everyone. And so Batman has to confront Ivy and to not only try to save Harvey, but to stop her from doing any more damage. And she, of course, is apprehended and they find the antidote to save Harvey. But then she goes from Stonegate Penitentiary and then becomes a member of Arkham Asylum and an inmate. And this, of course, leads to several episodes throughout Batman the Animated Series and the new Batman adventures with her as the main villain. Right. Um, and of course she develops in this series, she develops a relationship with Harley Quinn. And that first happens in Harley and Ivy, which is a fan favorite episode. And they, yeah, they both develop an awesome friendship and they become like the new Queens of crime in Gotham. And this series kind of established her as a, very powerful Batman rogue and introduced to a lot of people who don't read the comics who haven't read any Poison Ivy comics to this character which of course just sparked more interest in her enough so to put her in the current Batman films of the time which that's our next right right, that's our next story it's Joe Schumacher's uh, Batman and Robin so before we get there real quick was the animated Poison Ivy your first introduction into Poison Ivy yes it was okay. and yeah she was voiced by Diane Pershing and yes and I really liked the character I mean I liked her as a villain and I I mean to her to me it wasn't just that she could she had like powers and could control plants and things like that but it just it just seemed like she had a lot of layers especially when she worked with with Harley because they both were able to understand each other and they both kind of respected kind of the things that they were both going through, especially Harley and Joker. And she always was kind of a friend to her saying, Joker's bad guy, he treats you bad. And so <laughs> I kind of liked that about her, I suppose. Um, but yes, she and through that animated series, she was that was my first introduction. All right. Definitely. So now Uma Thurman. Yes. Uh, the movie came out in 1997. And of course, uh, this was the George Clooney Batman and the... And the Chris O'Donnell uh, Robin, and I and still, I mean, I don't know how many people feel about Batman vs Superman, but I still would say that this movie is regarded as probably the least favorite Batman f- live action film. 
but of course that can be debated. Um, but yes, Uma Thurman was poison ivy, and we still see. Wait, what was that debate that you were just saying? That it was the best? No, that it was, it was the least favorite. But some people may not think it was the worst. Oh. I mean, that's all. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I said it can be debated. I'm Sorry, sure. I, I was distracted by a Mason Booker, our wonderful <laughs> engineer. His uh, his I know, his they dinner had snacks. It just right? went. It just started wafting. Smelling up it's the whole smelling room. Good, though. I know. So you started saying, I just totally lost my mind and train of thought because all this food came into the. Uh, so thanks for that, Mason. I know. Okay. I'm not gonna. That's eat. fine. <laughs> No, Mason I'm okay. is offering and, his hot dog, and that's very nice of you, yeah. Mason. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I mean that in like a true sense. Like, yeah, he's actually eating a <laughs> beef frank. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Sorry. And Shadow Adam. And Shadow Adam, uh, you got if you're. Oh, he's got Snapple. And, he got me a Snapple, so and, thank you. And you got a Hershey bar. I know. Brought sugar, to you, sugar, sugar. Brought to you by Hershey, <laughs> Snapple, and Seven Eleven. <laughs> History of the Batman. <laughs> so Uma Thurman talking about the movie that most was this the which number was this the third one the third of the of the series. Ah, uh, let's see. I guess number five. Okay. Yeah. Or five. We're in the middle. It's like five. Okay. Yeah. So. We're, we're, no, we're no, 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 no. I know. I meant in the movies. No, I know we're in the. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, Uma, you mean just in general. The, the, in the movies. The in movies. the movies. The Uma Thurman, Batman and Robin was which number in that series of films? Well, if you count the Tim Burton films, right. since it's kind of in the same line, yeah. that would be the fourth. Because we had Batman, okay. Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and then Batman and Robin. And then we don't have anything until the Nolan verse. Right, right. So, yeah, so it would the, be the fourth and kind of final right. <laughs> Batman. The nail in the coffin. <laughs> for eight years. So. This is the nipple Robin? Yes, okay. it is. So, <laughs> yeah, this is the, this is, I can't wait to hear what you got to say. Yeah. <laughs> Make this one good. Well, <laughs> we still have the same uh, background elements that we've talked about for Poison Ivy. She is a botanist and she works for Wayne Enterprises in this um, series in South America. And she works with Dr. James Woodrow, who we heard about in the previous story. And he, and they are working on doing like this animal uh, plant hybrid and they're using the steroid venom. Mm. And when and then Woodrow uses the venom to uh, and he's using a guinea pig, not um, Pamela, but another uh, prisoner. And that transforms him into the villain Bane, um, which, of course, in the comics, we know that that is the steroid that he uses to become the big strong man. And I and um, Isley, she doesn't like the fact that Woodrow is using the venom and their experiments for bad, especially against the environment. And so she confronts him and he tries to kill her and he throws her into the venom and these plants and all these toxins. And of course, she rises from all of this and she gains the immunity over toxins and plants and she is 
herself poisonous. And so before we saw that she kind of either had to apply something separate to her lips to kiss someone. But this is like when her genetics is in her genes. When she kisses someone automatically, she's filled with poison. Right. So she kisses Woodrow. He dies. And then she takes Bane and she becomes poison ivy and she plans to go to gotham and she tries to get bruce wayne to go with her cause of focusing on the plant life in in the world but he is not interested and so she wants to now have this whole botanical supremacy over all the plants in gotham and soon the world and then she her and bane eventually team up with mr freeze who's arnold schwarzenegger in the film and they become this trio of terribleness and of course the dynamic duo have to fight to stop them So, yes, like we said, although Batman and Robin isn't a fan favorite necessarily, um, it is said that Uma Thurman's sensual, fun portrayal was one of the highlights of the film. Yes. Well done. (laughs) Is that okay? No, that was amazing. I think that's true. So you think out of that movie. I like, I mean, I liked Uma Thurman in that movie. I did. Did you like Bane in that movie? No, okay. I did not because I liked visually how he looked because right. that was really close to Nightfall in the comics when he debuted right. just a few years before. But the fact that he just goes rawr and kind of grunts and he's not. Right. And you mentioned he's a smart guy. Right. Exactly. He is very eloquent in his speech and he's brilliant. So the fact that they kind of t- took that out i did not like that no um i think that's why i really liked actually tom hardy in the dark knight rises his bane um because even though visually it was kind of different it still it had the, a lot of feel to like nightfall so yeah i wasn't a huge fan of at least bane kind of in, in a way <laughs> i gotcha but I but still Uma watch Thurman it. Was the yes, good one. but Uma Thurman, she was awesome, and of course, you gotta love Arnold Schwarzenegger's puns. <laughs> that is fun for me. <laughs> That's probably like a drinking game. <laughs> yes, I actually have tried that drinking game, and I did not get far. What was the all. What was the oh, game? Oh, for every freeze pun, you take a shot. Really? I, have, I totally just made that up. Or maybe oh, you've said that before. And I like, don't know. But I have tried that before, and that is really rough. Because like in the first like 20 minutes, you take so many shots. You take, I, let's see, it was like maybe about like 10 shots. And I was like, out, like I, I can't. Wow. So, <laughs> so yes, don't try that game. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want, but it, it's. You'll pay for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but anyway, we're on to, I guess, our sixth story. Yes. And we're still, we're in the late 90s and we're going into the No Man's Land saga, which lasted, um, like March of 99 and lasted all the way to like February of 2000. And it was kind of spanning off of the Cataclysm storyline where there was like a 7.6 earthquake that hit Gotham and just destroyed pretty much everything. But as a result, the government made Gotham a a no man's land and they made it a kind of a blockade where no one can enter or leave Gotham. And so it was completely deserted. And so no man's land, which crossed over 
all of the Batman titles and the Batman family titles. It focuses on the Gothamites who are still in the city, the rogues who are trying to take over certain territories and kind of how they're dealing with this. And then Batman and his allies and the Batman family are trying to control all of the chaos that's happening until there's a restoration of the city. Um, we're definitely going to do an episode on that. And Mason is going to be on it because he loves No Man's Land. So Loves it. Yes, loves it. And, I actually, <laughs> and like I said, I think... I think it is a great episode. So, Mason, you are on to something. Yes. A great episode, a great uh, great series. It I, is. I, I, I truly love it. And it's that. definitely a must, especially yeah. if you're a Batman fan, because you get a look at everyone, the villains, the you know allies everybody and just kind of what they're going through in this crisis time and it's all and it's just it's an amazing story so we will focus on that in a later episode i'm definitely sure um but one of the rogues that are that we focus on just in a three issue arc is poison ivy and it's the arc uh, fruit of the earth and it's written by the amazing greg rucka and uh, dan jurgens is the penciler and it is um, it is in the Shadow of the Bat number eighty eight, and it's in Batman uh, five sixty eight, and I like that cover because um, Glenn Orbick did it, and I love his covers on that issue for like the whole No Man's Land. It's a great illustrator, and in Detective Comics seven thirty five. So if you want to read these stories, you can pick up those three issues or find them, um, and so. During this period, Poison Ivy takes over uh, Robinson Park and she creates this as her um, area to house orphans or children that were lost within the struggle and everything, people exiting the city. And so she is trying to, she's creating her own uh, paradise of sorts. And then the villain Clayface comes and he wants to have her help him grow vegetables and she wants and he wants to use her orphans to kind of harvest them and then he uses these vegetables to sell and she doesn't like the way that he wants to do this because it's not for good it's for his own gain and so she tries to confront him and tries to poison him but it backfires and then he takes her as like a hostage for months and takes her away from sunlight and so she becomes weak and batman and robin and robert at the time is tim drake come and try to help her and they save her from clayface and they all three together go after clayface and ivy gets her revenge and she does poison him and she turns him into like this mud fertilizer and uses it in her park so mm. <laughs> so she definitely gets her revenge and then Batman um, says, you can keep Robinson Park as your area if you help grow vegetables and we give them to the citizens that are suffering and can't get food during this time. So they make it kind of compromise so she can keep her part or her territory during No Man's Land. Um, it's a, I think it's an underrated Poison Ivy story, but I think everyone should read No Man's Land. There's tons of trade paperback and volumes. Do you know how many there were? Because I have Cataclysm. I think mm-hmm. that Cataclysm. Was, that, that was before, that, right? right that's that's the, set up. That sets up the destruction of Gotham. Right. And then there's, I had volumes one, two, and I think three. Yeah. 
If there weren't three volumes, there were four. Okay. I mean, you have probably most of them, but they yeah. are in. Yeah, there four. are four. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, oh right. Okay, yeah. So there's like four volumes. Okay, and you can get them. Maybe you can get them here. Maybe you can order them yeah. on Amazon. Or, but they're out there, so you can get the whole collection if you don't want to go through the trial trying to collect all the comics. <laughs> right. Because it went so, over a number of different Yes, comics. so many crossovers and everything. But it is a great saga for Batman, definitely. Um, so, of course, in between this, we have different Ivy stories, if especially she's a part of the larger rogues gallery, such as Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's Long Halloween and uh, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee's uh, Batman Hush. But in 2004, she gets her own um, one shot and it kind of focuses on the relationship between her and Batman. And it's Anne Nocenti's uh, Batman and Poison Ivy cast shadows. And John Van Fleet was the illustrator. And what happens is while Poison Ivy is in Arkham along with many of the other rogues, um, a new skyscraper is being built in Gotham and it literally casts a huge shadow over Arkham. So in Poison Ivy's window, she doesn't get any sunlight and she becomes weak and she can't grow anything and she becomes very irritated i suppose and so all of the workers who are building the skyscraper they're suddenly dropping like flies they're dying and of course batman tries to put two and two together and believes that ivy is behind this but she claims that she has nothing to do with it and she believes and she says that there's a certain person that's in it and so they both team up to try to find the person who was killing off the workers. And, um, and of course, we find out later that Ivy is, of course, part of this because the workers are being infected with poisonous plants and things like that. Um, but in the story, you really get to see Poison Ivy in that kind of thin line between her being the sane, brilliant doctor to being to being insane and protecting the environment to a very extreme degree where she's killing people over it. Um, and you kind of see that they both, her and Batman, of course, because Batman deals with a lot of issues, as we know, and yep. he deals with a lot of struggles. So, and I think he has that connection with all the rogues he comes across, whether it's Two-Face or Poison Ivy or any of them, they all struggle with something to an extent that he's either, you know, putting on the cape and the cowl and fighting for justice, or she is using her powers for evil against those who are wrongdoing her environment. So you kind of see you kind of see them both fight their own demons in the story. It's great. It's a one shot. I think you can pick it up anywhere. You can get it on Amazon. Um, but it's it's great. It's Batman and Poison Ivy cast shadows and Anosinti is a great writer. Um, so, and then throughout the 2000s, you see Poison Ivy in different animated series from the Batman, and um, and you also start to see her in video games too, especially the Batman Arkham series. You see her briefly in Arkham Asylum, and um, you see her in even Arkham City. And, of course, you see her in the last one for Arkham Knight. But um, she 
is she becomes one of the main characters in a short uh, publication, which comes out in like 2010, 2009 to until uh, the new 52, which is Gotham City Sirens. And that's the focus of her and Harley Quinn and Catwoman. And uh, Gillian March was the main illustrator. And Paul Dini was one of the head writers for the first issues. And Tony Bedard and Pete Calloway. What brought those three together in that series? Um, well, it's partially it spawns from Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy's relationship already established in the 90s. And then I think they wanted to put these three heroines, um, I mean, villains together because they're three of the most popular female Batman characters. So I think it was more just to see how they interact. And they all three teamed up to kind of try to take over Gotham in a sense. Um, and one of the stories that focuses on Ivy, and it's a great series, it's 26 issues, I'm sure you can buy it in a trade paperback where they collect them all, um, but they each have their own focused stories, and one of them is uh, called Strange Fruit, and it's from issues 14 to 19, it's five issues, and it's from September 2010 to February 2011, and Ivy at this time is working at Star Labs and she is using this job uh, to, at first she was trying to better herself. She was trying to get out of the villain game, I suppose, but then she's using the technology and resources at Star Labs to uh, create a, a forest, I suppose, kind of in a day's time. So she's trying to create more agriculture and everything in a fast pace. But then she wants to use these uh, plants to start brainwashing people. So a good intent, which you can kind of see kind of in cast shadow. She's trying to do good. She's trying to better herself, but then she falls back into her old ways. Um, and she... And so Harley Quinn and, and Catwoman, they kind of have to stop her from harming other people. But then she's because she's using the plant life that she's doing to, like, take over the plants everywhere. And so at first she was like, I'm not going to have other people who have manipulated me in the past do it again. So she's seeking revenge in a way on other people. But in the end, she doesn't do it. And um and it's a, I mean, it's a good series, I suppose, just looking at her, at least with Harley Quinn and Catwoman, because in the whole publication, they each are trying to look out for each other. Right. Just like when Harley tries to go back with Joker in this publication, Catwoman Poison Ivy trying to convince her that she shouldn't. And even Catwoman is seen kind of trying to mend her relationship with Batman. Um, so Gotham City Sirens in general is great. I would love to see that dynamic somehow in the DCEU, um, having Harley Quinn and whoever is Catwoman and whoever is Poison Ivy and have some type of Gotham City Sirens reference. I don't know if they would ever make a film of that. I guess it depends on how popular all those characters would be, but that would be something I would like to see in some type of media. I think that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Now, when they have those those issues where the focus on the three ladies. Yes. Is Batman a constant theme throughout or do they allude to him? I mean, at no, that point or, or mm -hmm. at this point, have the characters established themselves so well that while they 
do make their appearances in Batman, they mm-hmm. can function very well without even being part of that storyline. Oh, no. At this point, they can function without Batman. He is referenced a lot, especially when talking to Catwoman. And there's a part in the series where Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are trying to get Catwoman to tell them um, Batman's secret identity because Catwoman knows, but she never does. And even in this series, or at least in that storyline, Talia is involved and she and her and Catwoman fight. Um, but no, he's not referenced in every book or every story, but there are some parts where he is one of the main uh, topics. But yes, definitely. And I think it just shows that they did Gotham City Sirens because those characters are so strong, and especially in DC Comics at the time, that they could have carried their own series. And I think the series would have went longer if the New 52 didn't happen in the reboot happened because that ended right before in 2011 when the new 50 the new 52 stories came about um but yeah i don't think that even if they didn't reference him at all i think the story still would have been um really strong um but yeah so since uh, gotham city sirens ended in 2011 now we're into our last story or now we're into the new 52 um, of course, Poison Ivy, she was she was a big part of the New 52 initiative. She actually worked with the Birds of Prey for about a dozen issues. And, and the she, Birds of Prey is Black Canary. Right, Black Canary. Oracle. Mm-hmm. And Huntress. Yes. And then, of course, in Birds of Prey, there are different rotating people. But yes, those are like the main um character who was the the pilot the woman who flew the plane uh, in birds of prey do you know what i'm talking about one plane she like always had a flight outfit does, does anyone know what i'm talking about <laughs> no <laughs> Damn. all right i'm gonna research this gonna research I, so i don't sound so ridiculous here. <laughs> i'm sure once you see it you're like okay and i'll know okay so, I, so go on it's cool Sorry. <laughs> um and she was even in some detective comics issues where she was fighting with clayface and penguin and so her presence was definitely there and she even had another origin story which most of the characters did it was another reboot so a new origin story had to be done and um it was by Derek for and even at this time, uh, at least in this story, she had a troubled childhood, an abusive father, and she decided to, but she's, <laughs> she still had a, an interest in plants and in botany. And, um, and she started working for Wayne Enterprises. Um, but then she was fired because she was trying to develop these chemicals for brainwashing. And of course they thought, okay, that's wrong. So they fired her. And then she accidentally spilled those chemicals and all of her experiments on herself. And she got these powers. Of course, she gained immunity to toxins and she turned into poison ivy. Um, And now, which is our last story currently, which DC is highlighting this week for the 50th anniversary, there is a six-issue miniseries out. It's by Amy Chu and Clay Mann, and it's Poison Ivy: Cycle of Life and Death. And it's 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 a pretty awesome story. But when did, um, when did this one come out? Um, this one came out probably let's see, probably about a couple months ago. I think like oh, almost two months ago. So it's relatively new. You can still get the issues now. Um, I don't think since it's still out there, there hasn't been like a volume or trade paperback that's come out yet. 
Um, but it's it's the current story. And what's great is that you don't really see a lot of pu- Poison Ivy publications. I mean, we had Gotham City Sirens, but there isn't really a solo Poison Ivy book that's been out. So even though a lot of people know Poison Ivy as a rogue and they can rattle her off with the other characters, DC, or for some reason, hasn't really given as much spotlight to her as possible. But I think because this is her 50th anniversary, they decided to give the story. So I think if you want to read a new Poison Ivy story and you kind of explore both her as a brilliant botanist to a kind of mad eco-terrorist. You should definitely pick this up. You can pick it up here because mm. I know they sell. Meltdown, yes, meltdown, can, meltdown, yep. meltcomics.com. Yes. yes, you can pick it up there. And so, yeah, it's been 50 years, which it doesn't seem like it, I suppose. But she has evolved just as much as any of the other rogues, allies, all of them have. And is she now green skin? Yes. Well, Nah, I mean, kind of in the middle. But okay. like, even in No Man's Land, they there isn't really an explanation as to why she is. But I'm sure it's because whatever uh, accident happened, I think they just visually wanted to give her green skin. Um, and that even lasted before the reboot. Um, but then that kind of changed in the New 52. And so she's back to her regular human tint, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> By the way. Lady Blackhawk. Okay. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. Birds, no, it does. I'm not crazy. No, everybody. you're not crazy. Okay. I read I read Birds of Prey for a very short moment in yeah. my comic book reading that mm-hmm. when Ed Bennis was okay. uh, yes. the artist, I thought it was great at okay. that moment. And Lady Blackhawk. I just okay. had no idea who she is. She kind of started appearing in the epi- the, the series, yeah. and I'm like, who is this? I person? mean, there. I mean, it's the different um, characters that are part of Birds of Prey have like changed so much ever since like the first like uh, iteration, like decades ago. Yeah. So, but yeah, but it's okay. still an awesome series. But okay. So you know who Lady <laughs> yes, Blackhawk is? Yes, I do. Is. Okay. I'm not crazy. Near not. She was a pilot. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I know some things, <laughs> not as much. I, I know I just, you do. I just try to give you, you know, try to stump you. It's like uh, <laughs> I win a prize or something <laughs> in my own mind. Oh, it's cool. So Poison Ivy. So Poison Ivy. Wow. So that is our brief retrospect. Or those are at least 10 stories. And I kind of briefly mentioned a few other stories that if you are a fan of her, you want to read more stories, you should definitely check out the stories that we mentioned in here. There are comics. It's from animated shows. You can check out even if in the video game she has her own storyline and in the movie and hopefully we'll see her in the new cinematic universe somewhere somehow. I mean maybe. That would be great. (laughs) If if people keep on going to see the movies they'll keep on making them and they're going to need to put new characters in them. Exactly. I would like to see Poison Ivy's powers in a new movie where Mm -hmm. she would have control of plants. Right. You know, because I'm sure visually that would oh. be amazing. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine <laughs> the leaves falling around her, floating in the air. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. All right. So, if anyone has any questions for you about Poison Ivy, wants to follow up on where they can get more into Poison Ivy, how mm-hmm. best to get in touch with you, London? 
Well, you can always email me at historythebatman at gmail.com. Um, thank you to everyone who sends me emails and gives talks about the episodes. Um, I even received an email the other day from uh, a Johnny Sorensen. What's and up, Johnny? So, hi, Johnny. <laughs> so, and he wrote um, an article that he wanted me to read about Batman. And so I definitely will read it. And so I'll give my feedback and everything. Very cool. So, but thank you for listening. And uh, so, yes, you can always email me if you have any uh, questions or comments about episode, um, suggestions for future episodes. Like I said, we have, I mean, there's so much we can talk about, so I'm always open to suggestions. You can always contact me on Instagram at instagram.com slash history of the Batman or almost at 240,000 Gothamites, which is Ooh. awesome. So thanks to everyone who follows, which is cool. Um, the audience grows every day, and it's it's an awesome community there. Um, you can also tweet me <laughs> at twitter.com slash hist of the Batman. And on Facebook, you can like Facebook, facebook.com slash history of the Batman. And on Tumblr at historyofbatman.tumblr.com. So mm. you can find me pretty much anywhere on social there media. You go. But yeah, if you want to talk directly, you can always email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. That's fantastic. And if you want to tweet at me, it's at Wens, W-E-D-S, finest. So I'm available too. Sweet. We'd also like to <laughs> shout out our main man, Mason Booker. Yes. Producer, engineer, <laughs> and host of the incredible Anime Attic Woo-hoo. podcast. Yes. I'm planning on coming on the show to talk about uh, Batman and anime and Gotham Knights and oh, all kinds of stuff. Fantastic. So, yeah. So, when that goes up, I'll let you guys know because yeah. that should be fun. <laughs> yeah. So, you can check that out on MelkComics.com, but definitely check out Anime Attic. It's where they go up into the attic. <laughs> pull out some old anime dust it off and discuss it's really good stuff so mason thanks for doing that and uh yeah all right and so yeah um oh i also just wanted to say i'm i'm just like we mentioned earlier i'm doing an art show yeah and it has a lot of amazing artists and contributors um, including, and I guess I can say it now, including uh, Neil Adams. And he may even be a future guest on the show because he's collaborating for the art show. So that would be great. And it's from May 7th to May 28th. And it's in downtown Los Angeles at the Hive Gallery. The gallery close to the show will be up online. So if you're not in L.A., you can always see the pieces and everything. Um, And, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's the first History of the Batman show I'm curating. And there are going to be a few more in the future. So I'm excited about this new chapter, I suppose, with History of the Batman. And, yeah, if you're local or in L.A., especially during the month of May, you should definitely go see it. It's It opens on free comic book day. So uh, after you get your free comics, later that day, you should come see the art show. Absolutely. You'll be there. <laughs> and, yes, I will be I'll there. I'll be there. Yes. Mason Booker will be there. All right. Shadow, shadow Adam, Adam will be there, He'll be in too. the shadows. <laughs> You might not he see might him. He might be kind of behind the walls. Yes, yeah, just creeping in the shadows. <laughs> but yes, so you awesome. can, I guess, come meet me 
<laughs> I guess if you come to opening night. And yeah, just check out the amazing art. Um, if you go on Instagram, um, dot com slash issue of the Batman, I have, I'll have a full list of the artists up. And even on Facebook, if you look for the event, if you look up history of the Batman, the art show, it'll pop right up and you'll have more information and it's updated every few days. So yeah, you've said it all. Yeah. So support the arts and of course support Batman and come to the show. There you go. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to go see Batman versus Superman. All right. And we'll get back to talking yes. and have that review. <laughs> Got some other guests planned for yes, the future. Yes, we do. And there are some amazing guests. I'm so excited to yeah. have them on the show. So this is, uh, you know, we've been going strong for a bit and we're getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, it's almost a year. Wow. Which is <laughs> History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics. London? Peace, love, and Batman.